notes and a pen. Grab your old analog Bible today. Some of you are technologically savvy. You've got an iPad and an iPhone with a half-eaten apple on the back of it. Come on, somebody. Some of you are trying to catch up. you got an Android today. you got a tablet. You can use that too, whatever you want to read your Bible on. Hey, if, if, if you were to turn in your Bible, I don't recommend it because I'm not going to be that long right now. I'm going to get another chance to speak to you before the end of the day. But in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul actually shows us, as the apostle that he is, that there are many different gifts. He does this in 1 Corinthians 12. He does this in Romans 12. You can go read about those gifts. And, and different people have different gifts but they're all important when it comes to impacting eternity. I got one say it. I'll say it again. I said different people have different gifts, but they're all important when it comes to impacting eternity. So in other words, the person holding the door open and smiling at you and the person changing the diaper in the back so that that mama can sit in here and have some adult time for the first time this week is probably even more important than me holding the microphone and communicating a message. Different people have different gifts, but they're all important when it comes to impacting eternity. In the book of Ephesians, the letter to the church of Ephesus, Paul writes that Jesus had gifted some. Jesus gives specific gifts. Jesus has gifted some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists. And then scholars uh, go back and forth on this last piece as to whether this is one gift or they should be separated. But the last two are pastors and teachers. Now, I have found through this season of COVID-19 that Jesus did not give me the gift of a teacher. I have three students at home. I am not a gifted teacher. I'm very gifted at making my students cry. That is not a gift of a teacher. I don't have that gift. I'm really not great, even though it's by position, I'm not great as a pastor. See, I'm more of a coach. Like you come in, you tell me what's wrong, I tell you what else you're doing wrong, I tell you what you need to do right. You go out and do that, and you're going to fix your swing. I'm a coach, okay? Notice that coach was not in any of the giftings. So God is training that heart. Different people have different giftings. At times we bring those people in so that you can hear a divine echo from the word of God. And then at times we present those people that we have before you on staff specifically. A year and a half ago, Pastor Dylan and Sierra King moved here to join our staff. I believe that they are a gifted couple. He is a gifted communicator. I believe that we have a prodigy of a mid-20-year-old who is gifted as a pastor. You're going to hear the heart of a teacher this morning. He was gracious enough to help write a message early before Thanksgiving so that we could get all of that filmed. And he's going to have this Sunday to teach you from the Word of God. Would you please do me a huge favor and praise God for this family. And Pastor Dylan, come share the Word today. He is way too kind in talking about me, but uh, our staff evaluations are a little rougher, so it all comes back around and it evens out. So, <laughs> Like he said, I'm Dylan King. For those of you who don't know me, my wife Sierra and I get the honor of serving as discipleship and SUM pastors here. So we oversee small groups and freedom groups and, and also our Bible college students and the work that they do. And 
and uh, we need as many people as we can in the media department, so we all help out with that as well and, and try to produce as much as we can for you guys during the week. But uh, I'm just excited to be here this morning, excited to be with you guys, and very honored. And I want to thank Pastor Chris for giving me this opportunity. I guess I liked him so much I decided to dress like him this morning, <laughs> vest and plaid. I was really just trying to be like Hunter Lajay over here and, and bring it every week, so... That's my guy over there. So uh, before we dive in today, I do want to welcome all of our online service, all of our online people this morning. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, feel free to engage in the comments and the chat section and, and ask questions or say, yeah, that's good. If something's good or say, yeah, just if it's not good, just keep it to yourself. So, <laughs> But uh, before we dive in, I also want to mention Pastor Chris talked about a 40-day finish last week. And, uh, and not waiting till 2021 to, to see God do something new and to go ahead and do what God's asked you to do and called you to do. And so now we have less than 40 days. I think it's 32 or somewhere in there, 31. And, uh, and so I just want to encourage you uh, in light of this message and just, just being willing to give God everything and the, to finish out 2020 strong. I know it's been a little bit of a mixed bag seemingly every other week, but we don't have to wait until 2021 to see God do something. Amen. So just want to encourage you in that. To recap our series a little bit, I get to finish up our, our Power of Generous series this week, and uh, we've been in it, this is the fifth week, and so we started off talking about Jesus' generosity and giving us the, the opportunity to experience uh, eternal salvation and to spend eternity with him and not apart from him in hell that wasn't created for us, and that he was the ultimate giver, and he sets the example. And we talked about the widow with her bread in a drought and feeding the man of God, Elijah, when God had commanded her to. And then God blessed that and even raised her son from the dead and honored her sacrifice. And we talked about Ruth's loyalty, which that whole message was kind of just mind-blowing in the way that it all fits together in the story of Jesus. And, and we talked about her loyalty. Then we talked about, Pastor Chris talked about last week, Abel's offering. And when the heart meets the habit and not just fulfilling the letter of the law, but really getting the spirit behind it and what God wanted through giving those commandments. And so what we've learned through all of these is that generosity uh, is not necessarily just finances or giving financially or monetarily, but it's a spirit of generosity. It's a lifestyle and everything that we do beyond our finances. We talk about our time, our talent, and our treasure, and that pretty much covers everything in our life, being generous with what God has blessed us with and being a blessing to others. So all of our messages so far have been more of examples of what to do and how to be generous and how to give and, and be like Christ in that. But today we're going to talk about more of a cautionary tale and what happens when you disobey God in that and what happens when we keep things to ourselves and we're selfish. And it's actually a story that's intertwined with the story of Rahab that we saw in the story of Ruth. And so we're going to talk about Achan today. Many of you may not know who Achan is. Achan is a man who lives uh, as an Israelite man during the time of conquering the promised land. So he's wandered in the desert with the Israelites for 40 years, and now they're finally in the promised land. And, and God's just given him a huge victory at the Battle of Jericho. And we talk about how the walls actually fell inward and made them a ramp into the city. And so what used to keep them out, now God used to get them in, and there's some cool stuff there. But when that happens, God begins to give them some instructions on what to do. So Achan's one of those guys that's in there, and, and God gives them some instructions here. We're going to be in the book of Joshua today, starting uh, in chapter 6. We'll go into chapter 7 a little bit later. But we're going to start in verse number 18. And this is the instructions God gives them after they have conquered Jericho and they've taken over the city. He says, But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction, 
and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So something I want us to notice is when Scripture is very detailed in what God just said, often somebody's going to do the opposite right after <laughs> because it wants us to see that version. Sometimes it's God says something and then somebody's a great example of doing it, but oftentimes it's, it's really pointing that out so that we know what comes next was against what God had for them. And so when we see God draw a line in the sand, it's something required. It, it reminded me of when I was still living at home and uh, I have great parents. They're fantastic parents. They'll be here in third service. And so uh, I'll, I'll say some stuff now. I may, may not say in third service when she's actually here. But uh, it reminded me of my mom, and, and my dad worked offshore, so some of you know how that goes, and he was, he was here for two weeks and gone for two weeks and sometimes longer, and so my mom really became the disciplinarian a lot in our house uh, until dad came home, and then he disciplined us again. And so, <laughs> But whenever I was in high school, I loved to test the boundaries that my mom had put in place. I'm, just, I'm her child, and so I get it from her, so it's her fault. But some of you parents know that Parenting your children is a little nuanced. You can't really parent every child exactly the same way. They're all different, and they all have different strengths and weaknesses, and, and sometimes you've got to do stuff with some kids that you, you can allow other kids to do and know that they won't take advantage of it. And so for me, my mom knew that my best in school was all A's if I really applied myself. And so for her, anything less than that was unacceptable. Well, for me, anything less than uh, just doing whatever I wanted to do when I got home and not doing my homework was unacceptable. And so I tested those boundaries, and I ended up making a B in one of my classes, uh, algebra. Sorry if there's any algebra teachers in the room, but it's just it's the worst. And so I didn't feel like doing it, and, I, and so I ended up making a B in, in algebra. And, and I knew that that was a punishable offense, right, in my household. And so I get home, and I show my mom my report card, and she's like, what's this? And of course, I'm like, you know, my, my teacher, she just doesn't like me. She's out to get me. And I tried, but she, you know, she just wants to hold me back. She picks on me the whole time out of everybody in the class. And my mom's a teacher at my school, so she knew that wasn't true. And so <laughs> that one didn't work too well. But I, I tried to say, you know, I really tried. I just, I, I did bad on one test. You know, sometimes these things happen. But uh, she wasn't buying that. And so uh, when we got punished, if you got punished for grades, you, it was until that grade came up, and which was nine weeks. And with my mom, it wasn't just, oh, you got to do some extra chores or, you know, little things here and there. It was everything's taken away from you and you sit in your room until that changes. And so I would go to school. I'd go to practice, church, come out to eat and shower. But other than that, I was in my room by myself. My brother, she wouldn't even let him come in the room because we shared a room. I just had to sit there by myself and think about what I did for nine weeks. And so after nine weeks... I'm getting frustrated. I'm mad. And I'm, I'm laying in bed there one night, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to fail this class. I'm going to show her. She wants to punish me. I'm going to fail it. I didn't have the guts to do it because I kind of cared, <laughs> even though I wanted to show that I didn't. And so I didn't fail the class, but I, I didn't try anymore, and I made a B again just to see what, what could I get away with. And, of course, I'm like, she's not going to punish me for another nine weeks. But she did. And so I knew from that point on that if I tested a boundary, she was going to stick to it. My mom ain't no quitter. And so... I knew that I couldn't just test any boundary I wanted to because she had stuck to it on the very first one. And so we see God right here. He draws a line in the sand and he says, this is not acceptable. And so whenever that happens, we understand that, number one, our actions have consequences. We learn that when we're kids in pre-K. You do something good, you get a snack. You do something bad, you go in timeout or maybe nap early. But we learn that all throughout life. And sometimes we can get caught up in that. And we talk about that in our freedom groups. And it's not healthy to always measure us, 
measure ourselves by just good and bad and, and wrong and right. Um, but sometimes actions have consequences, good and bad. So good consequence, good actions, good consequences, bad actions, bad consequences. And sometimes we even try to make excuses for ourselves. Oh, well, my heart was right. You know, I, I didn't really mean to do that. My intentions were good. It just didn't end up the way that I thought it would. I really tried. It's not my fault. But we, we have to understand that God is love, but God is also just. And so when he makes a, a decree, a command, when he draws a line that he has to uphold or else he's not a man of his word. So then if he doesn't uphold that, how can we take him at his promises and when he, when he says good things about us, right? And so it all goes hand in hand. So he has to uphold that. And so our actions sometimes can have consequences. And as I said, a lot of times when, when Scripture draws this line, then we understand what's coming next. It's probably going to be the opposite of that. So if our actions have consequences, one of those results is that, number two, God honors sacrifice. So sacrifice is the action. God honoring that sacrifice is the consequence. So this is one of those good actions, good consequences. So we see in Joshua, back in chapter 6 and verse 23, skipping to verse 23, it says, So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. So whenever the Israelites are going to conquer a new city, a new part, uh, Joshua sends spies out. So they're not just running in there willy-nilly, not knowing what's coming. They're expecting what's coming, right? They have a plan of attack. And so these spies had gone and spied out Jericho, and they were in danger of their life. Well, Rahab, the prostitute, made the sacrifice, put her own life at risk, and decided to hide them in her house. And because of that, Israel was able to conquer Jericho, and God promised her, because you have saved these men, then I surely will save your family. And so we see God following through on that promise right here, honoring her sacrifice. So Rahab and her whole family are being brought out by the very spies that she saved. The spies who she saved went in and brought her family out after Jericho was conquered. It says, after they bring them out, brought out all her relatives, put them outside the camp of Israel, and they burned the city with fire and everything in it, only the silver, gold, vessels of bronze, and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. So God honors sacrifice. What happened was she, God saved her family because she saved somebody else's family. You know these spies, when you read scripture, they're real people here that we're reading about. So these spies had families, I'm sure, back at, at camp. They had mothers and fathers and friends and, and wives and, and children who were all praying for their protection as they're doing what Joshua, their leader, commanded them to do, and they're spying out the land. And so they're praying for God to protect them, and Rahab was the answer to that prayer. A lot of times we, uh, we pray and want to see God do something miraculous, and, and it, he, sent, he does that in the form of another person. But we don't recognize it because we've got some grand idea of what it's supposed to be. And it reminded me of uh, the story of a guy who was lost at sea. And he's been out there for about 12 hours and it's cold. And he's praying, God, you know, save me, do the miraculous, rescue me, and I'll tell all the world of your goodness. Well, about two hours later, this boat comes by and the guy's like, hey, man, you need some help? He's like, no, I'm good. God's going to save me. God's going to rescue me. And a couple hours later, another boat comes by and another boat comes by and another boat comes by. And eventually... They find him later writing his story out on a paper, and he had died in the middle of the sea because he was praying for a miracle, but it didn't look like what he thought it was going to look like. His answer to his prayer was in the form of another person, and he never recognized it. And so, so many times that we think that we're going to pray, and God's going to do something crazy, and there's going to be this light shine down, it's like, here's your answer. But other, oftentimes, it's found in the people around us. And so, but the challenge for that is for us to be the answer to somebody else's prayer. Don't always just be looking for the answer to your prayer. Pray, give it to God, expect him to move. 
but also listen to him and let him move you and be the answer to somebody else's prayer. We talked about in the story of Ruth, how because of Rahab's sacrifice and her whole family being saved, she then has Boaz who marries Ruth, and they end up in the lineage of Jesus and the salvation of the entire world, all because she made a sacrifice and was willing to be the answer for someone else's prayer. And because she saved someone else's family, God saved her family. And so we said God is just, right? So if God honors sacrifice, then the opposite is true. Number three, God judges selfishness. Because really the opposite of sacrifice is selfishness. Because sacrifice will always cost us something, move us beyond ourselves. We have to give something for a sacrifice. And so the opposite of that is selfishness. So if God honors sacrifice, then God must judge selfishness. Joshua chapter 7, starting in verse 1, says, But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan... The son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things. And the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, and said to them, go and spy out the land. So we see here Achan, who's, who we're going to focus on here, he took some of the things that God said not to take. At this time, the people of Israel, over a million people, there several million people, in fact. And so one guy and this whole thing is in there and picking up all the stuff and they're taking everything in the house of the Lord. And he, he hides some stuff in his robe. He probably puts it in his, you know, they're in the Middle East. He probably puts it in his turban. He's hiding it and taking it back to his camp. And even though he had given most things, he kept some things to himself. And the anger of the Lord burned against Israel. So Joshua sends spies to Ai, and they don't even know that God's judgment is burning against them because of one man's actions. And so they don't even know what's coming. And so he says, go out and spy the land. The men went up and spied out Ai. They returned to Joshua and said to him, do not have all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about 3,000 men went up from there from the people. They fled before the men of Ai, and the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Shebron, struck them at the descent, and the hearts of the people melted and became as water. So we see one man's sin cost 36 families a, a, a tragedy. Men lost their lives because of one guy's actions, one man's sin. So we see when we say God is just and God judges selfishness, we can't believe in a communal blessing such as Rahab's where she makes a sacrifice and her whole family is saved if the, if the reverse isn't true and, and, and there's such thing as a communal judgment. And so if, we, if our good actions can bring blessing upon us and our family and those around us, then the same is true in the reverse, that our, our bad choices, our actions, our consequences, then will bring pain and judgment upon all of those around us. And so your actions don't just affect yourself. And so many times we have this little thing over here where we say, oh, we're, we're not going to give this to God and we're going to keep this and we got this under control. Nobody knows and it's not really hurting anybody. And then we go to deal with this small thing over here that really only takes two to 3,000 people, just a little bit of energy. But because we've had this hidden over here, it affects every area, and then we lose that, and then we lose this, and we lose that. And all of a sudden, because we decided to hold on one little thing, it affects everything else and those around us. And we look up, and we don't even recognize what's happening around us. We wonder how we got there, but it's because we held on to one thing. We didn't give it all over to God, and one person's actions can affect those around them. But I'm thankful for God's grace that can undo a lot of those things. And if we just turn to him, then we can experience that blessing once again. And we learned this when we were a kid. You know, uh, if one kid does something to make the teacher mad, 
The whole class gets it. You know, I can see some of our teachers in first service were like, mm-hmm, yes, very true. You put me in a bad mood, it's a bad mood the rest of the day. We also learn if you watched the Tigers last night. <laughs> one person in the wrong position, one person being selfish can affect the whole team. And all of a sudden, a couple million people in Louisiana are miserable because one guy got out of place, right? So our actions have consequences on other people from, from small things like that to even big things in our lives. So what does that tell us? If there is a communal blessing and a communal judgment, then the health of our community, the well-being of Acadiana, is dependent upon the generosity or the selfishness of the church. So the health of Eunice, Basile, Opelousas, Church Point, Jennings, all of these places, are dependent upon the generosity of the church or our lack thereof. So we can either contribute to the blessing of our community or we can just lead to the further judgment of our community. And that's, that's on us. That's on us. So number four, what was the sin of Achan? What was his true sin? It was the sin of withholding. It was the sin of withholding. Joshua chapter 7, we find that they lose this battle to AI. They shouldn't have lost. And so Joshua is like having this moment, right? He's crying. He's screaming. He's on his face. He's crying out to God, why have you forsaken us? Why have you brought us this far to let us go? And God talks to him a lot of times. Like He talks to him. He's like, get up. Stop crying. Stop acting like that. Somebody sinned in the camp. Go and figure out who it is and take care of it. So Joshua's like, okay. So he gets up, and they, they go to find out who it is, and they discover that it's Achan. They find out that it's Achan. The Lord leads him to Achan. And so in Joshua chapter 7, again, verse 19, it says, Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him. Tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. So he's like, there's no point in hiding it. Scripture says your sin will find you out. It's going to come out eventually. So he's like, bust it. I'm going to tell the truth. Said, this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver, a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, then I coveted them and took them. That's one of the commandments we kind of skip over coveting. Says, and see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent, and behold, it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. So, what do we notice here in this passage? It wasn't about what Achan had. But it's the fact that he withheld it. God had declared those things devoted to him. Gold and silver and, and fine robes and all this stuff and, and wealth and possessions in themselves were not evil. But because he withheld it from God when God had commanded it and required it, then it was sin. And you might be like, how does that apply to me? I don't have 200 shekels of silver sitting in my attic that I'm withholding from God. No, but a lot of times we come in here on Sunday and we worship and we read the word and we celebrate and we thank God for freedom and healing and deliverance and we're experiencing all these things and then we tighten it up in a nice little package, stick it under our seat and go throughout our week and don't share it with anybody and we're rude to the people at Walmart and we're always angry with our family and not forgiving and, and we talk about our boss at work and then we come back in here on Sunday and thank God for all of it over again and we've hidden it under our seat. We keep the precious, valuable things of God hidden in the ground. And that was what Achan's real sin was. For Achan, it was gold and silver and these things that he had turned into idols in his life and put before God. And many times we do the same thing by withholding what God has given us, our salvation, our baptism, our freedom, our healing, 
all of these things that we come in here and experience on Sundays and we leave them right here in these four walls and we make excuses about being too busy or too tired or too much going on or, you know, Christmas is coming up and I got to buy 30 presents for my kid or they won't think I love them and, and all of this stuff going on. And we make excuses and there's people out there that we're walking by every day that we're bringing judgment upon because we're withholding what God gave to us. We can look at uh, Facebook and we see some people we know and they're like, man, they need Jesus. Well, then give them Jesus. Share Jesus with them. Share what you found with them. I'm going to tell myself a little bit. This is a Wednesday night. I forgot about this during first service. It was actually Wednesday night after church. I was leaving youth. And uh, I was going to get Taco Bell for me and Sierra. And I was in the drive-thru and they gave me the wrong food. So I go back, you know, to the window and they're like, oh, we can't take that back, but we'll give you your food. So I'm like, hashtag blessed. I got two meals <laughs> for the price of one, right? Bless me, right? So I, I got my food. I'm all excited. I'm driving home. I'm on Laurel. And I see this homeless guy on the side. Man, he looks hungry. I hope he gets some food. And I just kept on going home. <laughs> and it didn't even dawn on me until I got home and couldn't even finish all of the food that I had. And was like, man, I could have given that to the guy on the side of the road. And that sounds funny, but we do that spiritually in our everyday life. We walk by people in Walmart and at work and family members, and we have what they need. They're hungry. They're looking for answers that we have, and we just keep on going because we think blessings about us. And we think that we've experienced God's salvation and his baptism, and it's for us and what God can do for us and answer our prayers. We, God's really looking for us to be the answer to somebody else's prayers. And our blessing is not for us, but it's to be a blessing. So we see this, this line drawn here with Rahab and Achan. We have sacrifice versus selfishness and, and generosity versus greed. So the question I want us to kind of focus on is, as we're going to wrap up here in a minute, is will your generosity lead to the salvation of a nation? Or will your selfishness and sin of withholding contribute to the destruction of it? If our community's health is dependent upon our generosity, then every action that we take has consequences beyond ourselves. And so if our community suffers... That's on us. Now, we can't control everybody's actions, but we can do everything we can to generously share the gospel with everyone that we come into contact with. This healing, this freedom that we thank God for here on Sundays, we can take that out there and let other people experience it outside of church. They don't have to be in here to experience it. So will we withhold it and lead to more judgment and destruction upon our community and our world, or will we be a part of the salvation of our community and our nation and our world? I want us to look at one more set of scripture, and then we'll close. John chapter 6, starting in verse 18, it says this. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Andrew doesn't even believe. He's seen all these things that Jesus does, but he's like, oh, well, you know, we're out of luck this time. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. So many times we'll read the story and we'll think, you know, that boy, he really was generous. He gave everything he had. And we, we talk about never underestimating what Jesus can do with just a little. And that's true. And that's what we've been talking about. But I want us to focus on one other person who's not even mentioned in this story. That boy was probably at home begging his mom to go follow Jesus and see miracles and hear what he was going to teach and go with, with all the adults. And, 
and just follow Jesus around and experience that. And his mom says, yes, obviously. But she says, before you go, like any good mom, she packs him a lunch. She gives him five loaves. That's a lot of bread for a little boy, man, I'm telling you. Five loaves and two fish. And so her one investment in him ended up feeding thousands. The spirit of generosity was in the boy, but he didn't have anything to give without his mom investing in him. And so, so many times we get excited in these, these messages and we're like, man, we're, we're going to go out and win 10,000 people in Eunice tomorrow. It's going to happen. And we can, then we can get overwhelmed when it doesn't happen, right? But God's just calling us to the one in front of us, to our family, to our neighbors, to the kid at school, to the coworker, to our boss. You never know when your investment in one could end up feeding thousands. Never underestimate your investment in one. And so what we're called to do is just plant as many seeds as possible. Tell everybody about Jesus. It's on Jesus to water and bring the increase. When that seed's planted, Jesus is faithful to water and bring it to fruition. We just have to be faithful and in investing in the one. So how are we modeling worship and giving and spiritual discipline and what it is to be a man and woman of God to our kids, to our neighbors, to our families, at school and at work, at Walmart? How are we showing that and modeling that and investing in those around us? Are we withholding as Achan did because God blessed us and we think it's about us? Or are we making the sacrifice and being generous as Rahab was? Rahab didn't know that she was going to end up in the line of Jesus and lead to the salvation of the world. All she knew was there was an opportunity in front of her and she had the means to meet that need. And that's all we're called to do. If you'll bow your heads, close your eyes. First, you may be in here and you feel God tugging at you to be more like Rahab than like Achan. Stirring that spirit and that lifestyle of generosity inside of you. Well, in just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to do something with that. But if you're in here and you're hearing about Jesus and a God who loves you and, and one who sent his only son to sacrifice for you on the cross so that you could find freedom and healing from your sin and your bad choices and things in life that have happened to you, this is your moment to receive that right now. It's a free gift of salvation. If that's you, you can just open your hands if you want to receive that. And we'll pray in a second. You can repeat after me. And, and the whole church is going to pray with us so that we don't have anybody feeling left out. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, for your free gift of salvation. Change me. Transform me. Take my life, make it yours, make me new. Help me to be more like you and less like myself. Thank you for setting me free so I can set others free. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate that this morning, all those who prayed that prayer? Hey, if that's you and you prayed that for the first time or if you're really committing your life for the first time and really, really dedicating your life to Christ, we want you to reach out to us. Text us, I believe, all one word to 84576. We want to resource you, connect with you, and celebrate with you because what just happened in your life is a huge monumental moment. Scripture talks about heaven celebrating anytime one accepts the gift of salvation from Jesus. So before Pastor Chris comes and closes us out and tells us how to worship with our giving, watch this video. As soon as the Fire Bible is translated in Creole, the whole population will be able to benefit, you know, the power 
that's in this Bible. The Fire Bible speaks over 60 languages all over the world. Through its notes and articles, it teaches every verse of the Word of God in the reader's own heart language. We've been praying for this for a long time. After many years of prayer, it comes as a miracle. But the Word of God is the best miracle that we have. Many people do not have access to resources in their own heart language that teach them the truths of God's Word. The Fire Bible answers that problem. By the first time when I saw the Bible, that's, uh, my heart is uh, beating so quickly. And then I couldn't say a word because joy and happiness is uh, in my, full of in my heart. Soon, Fire Bible will be in Polish and they will be able to read their Bibles with understanding and use it for the kingdom's sake. I really want our church people to understand Bible well. Church people will read Bible at home. Full life study will help them a lot. You are Fire Bible. Without you, none of this is possible. And the Fire Bible is going to equip our people. It's going to really help us to become the church God wants us to be. You know why? Because Sri Lanka is going to be one for Jesus. The Fire Bible, bringing the fire of God's word to the human heart. Hey, come on. Sometimes we get so excited about the power of a sermon that we miss the practicality of a sacrifice. We're so excited about the word of God and the message. Oh, I feel so much better. But then what do we do? How silly would it be for us to preach the power of generous for an entire month and then not give you the practical opportunity to give, to sacrifice. As we prepare for this Christmas season and putting things on credit cards so that people can open them and forget about them before you even go, I want to invite you to worship God with your giving in a different way today. I'm going to tell you two things that because of your giving we've already been able to do and two things that we still hope to be able to do as a church. Well, you to understand that what I'm doing right now is going to benefit me in no way. We're not going to spend a dime of what I'm talking about in this church. Because of you, let me tell you what you've already done. Because of your giving, every week we take 10% of what you give in every service, online, wherever, however that comes in. We take 10% of that because we believe that we can't preach the tithe if we don't practice the tithe. That's personally and corporately. And by the way, that's not you paying to come to church or, or paying every time that you come to church. It's very simply you giving the first 10% of your finances, 10% of God's provision back to him through the storehouse or the local church. That's what we believe and that's what we practice. If you don't believe that, that's okay. We just invite you to practice it with us and let God show you. Whether you give that weekly or monthly or annually, whatever that looks like, that's what the tithe is, okay? Because you tithe, because you give, because you're consistent, we take 10% of that and we tithe it into the missions account. So because you give, we have already designated and, and promised our Louisiana District Assembly of God office 
that you can count on us for at least 200 Bibles. We already have it. We don't even have to ask. We just have to allocate it. We're going to buy 200 Bibles. It's already done. That's what you've done. What's left to do? Well, that's not enough. Just our district has committed and believed God for a quarter of a million dollars worth of Bibles at $25 a piece. So today for $25, you can buy a pastor. Can we have that picture? There they are already. You can buy a pastor like Pastor Peter and Cho and his bride, a fire Bible that he wouldn't have already otherwise had access to. Every year, every year, at the Sunday after Thanksgiving, since we've been here, this has been laid on our heart. We bring in a missionary, or we bring in a vision, or we bring in a project. We bring in an opportunity for you to give in an offering above and beyond the tithe. The first year here, we brought Miss Donna Ingball. She works over in New Orleans with women and children on the streets of New Orleans, trying to get them out of prostitution and off the streets. And we gave an offering that Sunday. The next year, we brought Pastor Tony Jones, who is our Chi Alpha, our college ministry director for the Assemblies of God on McNeese University. And, and not only did we give them, him and his family, an offering that Thanksgiving weekend, but we, because of your generosity, we bought them a car and sent them home in a brand new minivan for his family and the ministry that they're still driving to this day and loading up with students and children and supplies and doing ministry on the campus of McNeese. Last year, we brought this guy and his bride, Pastor Aaron and Stephanie DiMaggio. They have two ladies that work with them full-time, Emily and Taylor. We brought them in. We presented their vision to you. And because of your giving and your faithfulness on that Sunday, we were able to provide them an offering. And we were also able to purchase them the, the remainder of the passenger van that they needed in Kenya and a side-by-side -side so that they could take the gospel to unreached people groups and Bomas and villages that they would not otherwise be able to get to. That's because of your giving. Okay? What have we done this year? Well, this year, I don't know if you know, but if South Louisiana got hit by a pretty hard hurricane. In fact, there's one church specifically in Sulphur that got hit and lost half of their building. They're also a hub for people to come to and receive supplies. So while they're trying to repair their church, and um, by the way, one of their homes burnt down because of the generator in the middle of that recovery process. And through all of that, they're trying to minister to their community. We've already sent them offerings, but then their pastor had to step down. And so their youth pastor, 30-year-old, man of God, great man, and his bride and their two babies are now the interim pastor of that church that got hit by a hurricane whose pastor had to leave because of unforeseen reasons that came. Now he's, here he is in the middle of the struggle. Hey, I told you we'd tell you two things. Because you gave, I stood before the board this past Thursday and I said, hey, look, I see this guy, I know this guy, he's giving God his best. Let's take care of them. And we were able to write them a $2,000 check and send it to him and his family this past week because you give. Because you give. I told you what we've done. What is left to do? Well, how many of you understand that insurance companies aren't in it to make sure that people get help after the process? Predominantly. There are some that are. And if you work for one, I, like, come talk to me about the one that wants to help after it's all over with. 
But the guys I'm talking to are having a hard time getting the insurance to come through. And so where the insurance can't come through, I believe that new hope will come through. And I'm just believing God to help be part of a church in Sulphur. You may never go to, you may never visit, but it is reaching and ministering to a community outside of this sanctuary. So when you give, it goes way beyond what you're able to do on your own. I'm going to invite you to break the sin of withholding today. I'm going to invite you before we go today to not just tithe, but to give. To give like David gave, to give sacrificially. Hey, listen, if you're a guest with us today, I, I'm, not, I'm not really even like calling upon you. You are, please be relieved from this pressure. The Bible says do not give reluctantly and do not give out of compulsion. Give as God has already purposed on your heart. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. So don't feel the pressure of this moment, but see the purpose of this moment. And so if you call this church your home, here's what I'm asking you to ask God right now. Lord, how many Bibles am I supposed to buy? Before I buy anything else for Christmas, how many Bibles am I supposed to buy? How many pastors like Pastor Peter in Serbia and Sri Lanka? See, I went and I had the opportunity to preach for Pastor Peter on that Sunday, and he had to interpret for me because this may come as a surprise to some of you, but I don't speak Swahili. I know I look like I should be able to just communicate clearly in that language, but I don't have it. Can you imagine, can you imagine, hear me, I have a hard time getting you to read your Bible in English. Can you imagine what it's like for these guys to have to try to interpret from English and then interpret from the Holy Spirit what the English Bible that they already have a hard time understanding is trying to say. That's why it's so important that we hear from God on how many Bibles we can send to Serbia and Sri Lanka in the language that they already understand so that all they have to do is interpret what the Holy Spirit has to say. That's the opportunity that we have today. Today. So I want to invite you to worship God with your giving. You can do that in three ways. You can give that through the offering envelope. Listen, hey, fill this out. Pastor Dylan did such a great job, job with the time today that I, it, he gave me extra time. That's how good of a leader I am. He goes and comes up here and just does just an incredible. Didn't he do it? I told you he was a teacher. Didn't he do a great job today? So often people will just throw cash in the, in the offering or stick. Don't do that. Put it in here. Put your name. Well, I don't need credit. Well, I need you to need credit. Why? Because I want the government to give you credit for what you're giving. Then they can give you more money back, and then you can come back up here and give all that money back to the church if you want to. Oh, I don't want credit for it. I want you to have credit for it. If you don't want the money, bring it back. We'll put it to use somewhere. I promise. We'll do something with it. Put it in here. Write your name on the envelope so we can give you a giving statement at the end of, uh, or at the end of 2020. So you can turn that in. You still get credit for giving. You better take advantage of it. I don't know how much longer that's going to last. Take advantage of it now. This is a nonprofit. We can give you credit. You can give through the envelope. There's an offering box. So don't come hand me or my wife a check. Okay? Go put it in the offering box. I'm glad you gave. Thank you. Go put it in the box. Praise God. Okay? You can give online. And here's what you do. This is above and this is above. Okay? Guys, I'm just trying to teach you what I believe God has taught me over the last decade and more, which is not just how to give, 
but how to be generous. Giving is an action. Generosity is a spirit. Give above and beyond what God just requires and begin to learn how to operate in the obedience to what he requests. You can do that if you're giving through a check today or you're writing on here or you're giving online. Just memo it missions, okay? We're going to allocate those funds to these two projects. The addition of buying more Bibles to whatever's given today. And I want to send Celebration Worship Center in Sulphur a special offering today. I believe, hey, can't God do it? Can God do something with what you're giving? This isn't coming to Chris. It's not even coming to New Hope. We budget so that we can believe, not so that we have to beg. Come on, somebody. That's what God is doing right now. Okay. Hey, if, you, uh, if you're a guest with us today, please fill out the Connect card. We don't want anything else from you today. Just fill that Connect card out so we can know who you are. Drop that off on the Welcome Center on your way out. We want to give you a gift. We want to bless you. If you're, uh, if you're new with us, Please accept our one-year challenge. Start right now in the almost December of 2020. And I can guarantee you by 2021, you'll be glad that you did. You'll look back over everything that God has done in your life through this church. And you'll stick in with us because you'll take ownership instead of being a renter. If you have your children here with us, you can check them out through the New Hope Kids door right here from infants to all the way up to fifth and sixth grade. You can go get them. And as you continue to worship God with your giving, I want to invite you to stand today. I want to pray a blessing over you with four minutes to spare. Hallelujah. I want you to understand that I'm proud to be the pastor of this church. I didn't know what I was doing when I got here, and I still don't. When you know the God that knows, you don't need to know what you're doing. You just need to know him. So go out of this place today and know the God that loves you more than you could even imagine and let him use you to continue to do more exceedingly and abundantly more than you could even ask or think. Come on, would you open your hands today as if we're handing you a gift. Let us pray over you. Father, I thank you that we can stand upon your promises today. God, that your presence is greater than any problem. God, that we can stand upon your word today. I thank you for the word of God and the man of God. And I pray a special blessing over them today. But over every hearer in this room, I pray a spirit of obedience that would cause us to become a doer. God, would you bless us and keep us and make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. Lord, lift up your countenance upon every person in this room, watching online, live, or later, because your presence is not designated to a place, but it will come to a person who is willing and just willing to receive. God, right now, may we receive the presence that gives us peace and joy unspeakable and full of glory. Holy Spirit, would you fill us? Fill us and empower us to be a living example of your love. God, anoint us right now to not just hear a powerful message. Anoint us to accomplish your will, to walk out of your walk in your ways, and God, to apply the message practically to our lives. Accomplish the vision that you've given this place to meet people and grow, grow closer to God together in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. Hey, before you go, real quick, okay, I promise, it's really quick, because I don't like to make people stand for a long time. I don't want you to sit back down. Hey, next week, 
We're going to start a brand new series. It's something I was scared to do, okay? I didn't want to do it. Our staff talked me into it. So if you don't like it, go fuss them. We're going to start a series. <laughs> That's the joy of being at the top. Okay, so we're going to start a series next week called Christmas at the Movies. Every week, we're going to take a movie, a Christmas movie, not Die Hard, okay? We're not starting with that one. I know. Uh, it was, it, you can't even watch it, so <laughs> it's not with purity. So we're going to start with Home Alone 2. Next week, next week, listen, sometimes Christmas feels like you're home alone. And sometimes you do the same thing this following year that you said you would never do the previous year. But Jesus is always at the tree ready to meet you all over again. I'm telling you, we're excited about this. I can't believe we're going to show some movies and, and talk about movies at Christmas. Well, if you can use that to get your friend here, I can promise you that will be the best Christmas gift that you have ever received in your life. So come expecting, come excited, and bring somebody with you. Hey, God bless you, and have a great afternoon.